Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Thank you for the group of people tonight that you that have found time to come out and look at your word. And we're really enjoying Deuteronomy. And I'd ask that you just help us to uh, get what you have for us. Help us to understand the, uh, the, the importance of it. Help us to grow closer to you. It shows your heart, Father God. And help us to just understand your heart a little more. I just thank you for the privilege of uh, exploring your Torah together. In Yahushua's name, amen. So, Last week, we were in chapter 4. Old Lisa got kind of emotional about part of the stuff there. because It's very nice. You know, if Deuteronomy doesn't do another thing, it shows the heart of Moses. And Moses is speaking for God, so it shows the heart of God. Let's see, we left off, and you realize that they're, all the Israelites are on encamped on the plains of Moab, which is probably 500 feet above sea level, looks out over the Dead Sea and the Jordan River Valley across. You can see Jericho over there, and you can see the hills, and someday that will have uh, Jerusalem. Now, I forgot my little laser pointer. Let me get my laser pointer. I got to, this is okay. We have time for me to do this. That black thing. Okay. It works. Blinded myself. It worked. So they're right here, this big flat spot. Jericho is across the river over here. One of these days, Jerusalem will be here. Right now, the Jebusites are over there. And they've just gotten through, Moses has been telling them, they've just gotten through uh, conquering, if you will. Sihon, king of Bashan, and Og, the king of Heshbon. I think I've got those right. The Amorites. You remember that uh, Gad and Reuben said, we'll just take our territorial inheritance here. And half of the tribe of Manasseh says, that sounds like a good idea. We think we'd like ours there too. So we've had that little discussion. Um, And Moses is just talking along. He's getting, he knows that this is his last hurrah. He's going to die before the Israelites cross the Jordan River and start taking over the land that God has promised to them. So I'll read if that's okay. Starting in verse 32 of chapter 4. This, we read this last week, but it was just such a fun thing to read. Hi, Esther. Um, so... Starting in verse 32 of chapter 4, this is Moses talking to the Israelites, and he says, Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created man on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people 
heard the voice of God speaking out of fire, as you have, and lived. Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testing, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like the things that Yahweh your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that Yahweh is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength, to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you, and to bring you into their land to give, you, give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take heart this day that Yahweh is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land Yahweh your God gives you for all time. Amen. Right? How can you not? That's an emotional speech. Lisa. Is this it? Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to say, it says also, Ha Elohim, he's the God. Each the God. time he says, he's the God, because he's just not any God. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is amazing if you think about it. Well, it, one of the things that I've enjoyed thinking about is the fact that, you know, we, certainly if you've come through, up through Christianity, you're used to thinking about God as God. You know, you're, you, we've been taught monotheism since we began. But back in these times, it was a, a polytheistic world. You know, different, uh, different people groups had different gods, and there were lots of gods around. The Greeks had a bunch. They all had a bunch of gods. And, and he, he is willingly placing himself in their... In their uh, game, if you will, but he points out that there is none but him. He created all of them. You know, he's the creator God of the universe who created everything out of nothing, and none of them did that. <laughs> yeah, well, that gets better. Yeah, we're going to talk some more about that tonight, where he talks about uh, how amazing it is that he picked the uh, Israelites. Anyway, I just wanted to do that because that's a good way to start. It's us in the right frame of mind. So we're now on verse 41. It's a little short passage there. Would someone like to read from verse 41 through 43, and we'll talk about it for a minute? Okay. Then Moses served three cities on this side of Jordan toward the sun rising. <clears throat> then the slayer might flee thither, which should kill his neighbor unawares, and hated him not in times past, and that fleeing into the one of these cities he might live, namely Bezir, in the wilderness, in the plain country of the Reubenites, and the Ramoth of the Gilead, and of the Gadites, and the Golan in the Bashan, and the Manasserites. Okay, 
that's it's a short passage, but you know, we read every little thing, so we might as well read that too. The cities of refuge. We've talked about cities of refuge back in Numbers. It says, my version had it a little bit different. To anyone who had killed a person could flee if he had unintentionally killed his neighbor without malice aforethought. In other words, there's no city of refuge for someone who murders. And murder is something that has been done with pre-planning. You know, it's not a, it's not a, you can't charge it was an accident. It was something that you planned to do and you went out and you killed someone. That's murder. That's not for the city of refuge. City of refuge of, of the, what our legal system today would call manslaughter. John? At the risk of being a little political. That's okay. People want to advocate cities of refuge today, right? <laughs> yeah. Are they the same people that are very Torah observant and even Bible observant? Not typically, in my opinion. It just seems kind of odd to me. They seem to be appealing to the rest of the people for something that they don't believe in, fundamentally. Yeah. And it's not, they're not, as you said, that these cities aren't set up for illegal aliens. They're set up for people who have done manslaughter. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, they... Well, they call them sanctuary cities, but the concepts, you know, similar. So anyway, he mentions the cities, the three cities that were on the east side of the Jordan River. Uh, and he mentions one of them, Bazir in the desert, uh, desert plateau for the Reubenites. So the Reubenites are in here, and I can't read that well enough, but there's probably one of those cities that's named Bazir. There it is. That should be it right there. Uh, they're, they're reasonably, you know, good-sized cities. They're not little bitty hamlets. So there's that one. There's uh, Ramoth and Gilead. Now, Gilead is up in here where Gad has his territory. And, again, my eyes aren't good enough to find Ramoth up there. But I wouldn't doubt that it would be up in here. And then it said the third city is Golan in Bashan. Now, uh, the Golan Heights is off the map here. The Golan Heights is a north and east of the Sea of Galilee, which is right here. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that Golan would be somewhere where the Golan Heights is today. So anyway, all three of these cities are more or less identifiable today. Who knows how many uh, cities of refuge there were in the whole nation of Israel? Six. Six. There were three on the east side of the Jordan and three on the west side of the Jordan. Uh, the three on the west side of the Jordan we will learn about in the book of Joshua. Because the book of Joshua talks about how, you know, it, it takes over after this book, the next book, and it talks about you know, what happens as the Israelites cross the Jordan River and the, their taking of the land. God promised. Beg your pardon? Oh, I don't know how many times that you go through this and we get through the book of Deuteronomy and everyone says, let's not go back to Genesis, let's just read Joshua. We did that once. Um, uh, Ralphie and I did a, a series, you know, on, the, on his in-depth thing and we went through the book of Joshua in great detail. Great book, there's no two ways about it. It's a lot of fun. You can find three quarters of the cities that are named in there, you can find them. You can, then there's, good stories, and uh, 
by the time it's all over, um, the different tribes have their inheritance. There's a little bit of confusion. One of, my, one of the things that I appreciated about the time that we went through it with Ralphie was uh, the Danites. Because early on, the Danites, the tribe of Dan, got some land over on the uh, Mediterranean coast, right around over in here. But, and you have to read Joshua pretty carefully. But when you read it pretty carefully, you find out that they weren't able to hold on to it. And since they didn't hold on to it, they basically uh, moved way up to the north of the Sea of Galilee. So their land, their land holding changed a little bit far north. Anyway, that's interesting. But we'll talk about that. We'll see when we're through the book of Deuteronomy. Well, yeah, and that's what happened. They couldn't hold on to it, which was symptomatic of the problem, and we're going to read about this tonight, that they didn't, they didn't take it all. You know, God tells them very clearly, we'll read just in a little bit, you know, kill everybody that you run into and take it all. Don't leave anybody, because if you leave anybody, they'll be your downfall. Yep. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yep. Yep. Okay, let's go on. Um, verse 44 through the end of chapter 4. Would someone, that's real short, too. Someone want to read verse 44 to the end of the chapter? Okay. Charlie will give you the microphone because he's Johnny on the spot. Charlie on the spot. This is the teaching that Moses placed before the children of Israel. These these are the testimonies, the decrees, and the ordinances that Moses spoke to the children of Israel when they left Egypt on the bank of the Jordan in the valley opposite Bet Peor in the day of Sihon, the king of the Amorite, who dwells in Heshbon, with whom Moses and the children of Israel smote when they went out of Mitzrayim. They possessed the land and the land of Og, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, and the land, yeah, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorite. These are on the bank of the Jordan, where the sun rises, and from Eroer, that that is by the shore of Arnon Brook, that Mount Sihon, which is Hermon, and the entire Arabah, the east bank of the Jordan until the Sea of Arabah, until the waterfalls of the cliffs. Is that it? That's good enough. Okay. Um, this is an introduction to the next chapter. And basically, he's doing two things. He's saying in verse 44, this is the Torah Moses set before the Israelites. In other words, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you what the, the law is. And he gave these words. He talked about these things while they were camped. This is, we've said before, over here, um, across from the Jordan River. Um, what else did he say? He says, in the land of Sean and uh, Sihon, right in here. And after they had taken over, in other words, he's locating exactly the place that, that he's going to do this, or that he did this, both in terms of time and in terms of location. 
And it's pretty cool that you can still find that. And the Arabah east of the Jordan. Um, this, here's the River Arnon. So it was north of the Arnon River Gorge. The Arnon River Gorge actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the Salt River Gorge. Because you know how in the, in the as you're going to uh, Cholo, and you're driving across this kind of plain, then uh, you have to start going down these curvy, windy, switchback-type roads, and you get to the very bottom, and you cross this river, and then you wind up clear, you know, you go all the way back up on top so that you're essentially at the same level you were when you started. That gorge is the same way. And it even, if you saw it, maybe someday you will, it, it'll remind you of that. Okay. So now we're in chapter 5. Hello. Um, let's see here. So there's a little preamble. I think, you know, I, I want to do this. There's some fun things to think about here. So first of all, let's read the, from verse 1 through verse 5, the first five verses of chapter 5. It's, again, it's a short little thing, but would somebody like to read that? And Moses called to Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep them and do them. Yahuwah our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Yahuwah made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who we are all here alive this day. The Yahuwah talked to you face to face in the mount of the midst of the fire, I stood between Yahuwah and you at the time and show, and show you the word of the Lord, which you were afraid by reason of fire and went not up into the mount, saying, Let me keep going. Nope. Um, and he said, uh, I want to talk just, to, just for a couple of minutes about that. So he basically gets all of Israel together and he says, um, Hear these laws and decrees. Okay. And he said, where, where did he say you heard them first? You, haven't, you know, this is, this is different. This is not the first time you heard them. Yeah, at Horeb, which is Mount Sinai. And he says, it was not with our fathers that Yahuwah made this covenant, but it was with us, with all of us who are alive here today. Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Because for a lot of them, it wasn't them, right? A whole bunch of people that generation died. The generation that uh, first got these and heard God um, listened to the report of the ten spies and decided not to, to obey God, and they, his punishment was, well, you'll die in the desert. So they wandered in the desert for 40 years. So what do you suppose this means, John? Sorry. Me and you. That's good. That's good. That's, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Let's see what John says. What was that again? She said, me, me and you. M me, Moses and you? No, no, God? Me, us. God. Yeah. Y'all. All y'all. Y'all. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm thinking now, <clears throat> the ones that weren't punished, were they old enough to enter into a covenant? Well, they would be. I mean, they may have been alive and they may have been a witness. Yeah. 
the way it would have worked, I think, this is just me, was you were uh, liable for service in the military when you were 20 or older. Okay? And there were a bunch of these guys standing there this day that were 20 or were under 20 at the time uh, that, of the rebellion, if you will. And so they're still there. So the ones that were 20 and older primarily had died. So then who is our fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or the ones that died in the desert? I think it's both. I think it's both. So I guess the point is, is this, Deuter is this like a second, command a second covenant? It isn't, doesn't have all the accoutrements and all the fanfare of what happened at Mount Sinai 40 years earlier. Well, i tell you what I think it is. I don't think it's a second one. I think it's a second <clears throat> telling of the first one. It's, a re, it's like a renewal of the vow. Okay. Well, it's, it's like us in the Hebrew Roots movement. We say a renewed covenant. It's still the same covenant that was 3,500 exactly. years ago, but it's new to us. Exactly. And this is new to them. Yep. Yep. And, and, and they didn't have the sin of... of uh, Unbelief that the... the well, I was, yeah, like, the, like the, um, the golden calf yeah. incident. But more than that, I think, it's also got to do with the fact that He's making it real clear that you don't get to ride in on your parents' coattails. This is the decision you have to make. You have to enter into this covenant. You and every generation from now on. Okay? That makes sense to me. Well, and I was thinking that for Abraham, Yitzhak, and Jacob, they, they didn't, this, it, in, in a sense... It's a, it's a fulfillment of what was prophesied, but they didn't get to see the covenant. They didn't get to see that covenant being written down and being, you know. And so he's saying, not with your forefathers, but, you know, it, with our forefathers, they didn't get to see this. We mm -hmm. were the ones that experienced it. We were the ones that heard his voice mm -hmm. and saw his, you know, face to face. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, that's how I read it anyway. Okay. I didn't read it like, like um, you know, not that it isn't about us, too, because we are alive today. But, I mean, I, I also read it that, that Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they weren't there. I understand. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you've got to admit that the whole idea of this covenant with God is a little... Intertwined. Well, no, it's... God, because he was alive at the beginning and is alive now and is the same, um, he's, he's kept his promise. But he expects yeah. the other half of the covenant to keep his promise too. And his promise goes from generation to generation to generation, a concept that God doesn't have to deal with. So, <laughs> Right, he said he made it with us. He made it with, with <laughs> we have to be involved. What well, should we do? But what he said to Abraham was, I make this covenant with you and your descendants who follow you. Right. So God knows that he's making it with, with descendants with that Abraham everybody. didn't even know he was going to have. Obviously. Charlie? So <clears throat> you don't have a concept of imperpetuity until you have a second one. Right? 
Okay? That's a good point. Right. You can't have a link unless you've got two two links, at least two links to link together. Yep. And this is the this is the the thing that's unique about this time is this is the next generation. And so therefore the covenant is in perpetuity. Israel, if you look at them as all the generations going through time, are not therefore bound by time. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Like Yahweh is not bound by time. So as if each if each generation does the right thing and passes the, receives the baton and does care the hold on to the baton if you could use that for an analogy and passes it on to the next generation and that keeps going then it's in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. And if they will um, obey the terms of the covenant each generation then it's perfect. Of course we know they didn't, but that's beside the point. That's that's the intention. Esther. That's fair. Two witnesses. And this is the second witness. That's, that's a good, good catch. What do you think about this, uh, this verse 5? Mine's in parentheses, so you always kind of have to ask yourself, hmm, why is that there? Uh, at that time, I, this is Moses talking, at that time I stood between Yahweh and you to declare to you the word of Yahweh, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain. Do you remember that? Remember that? Say that. I have that written down here somewhere. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the story? Okay, he's going to describe it again in a minute. But let's go back and look at it now, just for the fun of it. Exodus, chapter twenty. Beg your pardon. Exodus chapter twenty. Verses 18 through 21. I'll read it. Um, Exodus chapter 20 is where the Ten Commandments are listed. Ten words. At the, uh, at the culmination of the tenth word, verse 18 is when it starts. It says, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. That's how dramatic. Man, that's right out of Cecil B. DeMille. John. So, now, with the children, this didn't happen. No. So that's, he, the, the parentheses are sort of like, well, okay, this is what happened back then. Yeah. Uh, you, you, as in you, your fathers primarily, yeah. said, you, Moses, you go up there. Well, Moses ain't going in. He, he, he's, uh, he's done here. His, yeah. his work here is done. And so yeah. he's not going with them, so he can't, they can't say anymore, oh, Moses, you go to, you go before God. Well, that's a good point. That's these good point. these people have to do that. Yeah. Good point. There's no Moses rubber crutch to hold on to. Yeah. So he's but so it's what I gathered from one of the implications that you an implication of what you've said was 
is this is a, a restatement of, a, of the covenant that they might not be fully aware of, right? This, this is to make sure that they know what the covenant is. That's why he's doing this. Let me remind you of the burden, or not burden, the covenant that you entered into, your fathers entered into, and therefore you are part of. It's almost like it's he's it's really a respectful thing because he's saying I don't you don't need me, you you know it's almost a comp I look at it as a as a compliment because mm -hmm. these guys are have a different mindset mm -hmm. than the, than the fathers that the, the fathers that they couldn't get rid of the stink of being in slavery of of Egypt yes. and they don't have that on them. Yep, that's a very good point. Yeah, the the people forty years earlier were born slaves. Most of these people were not. They might have, they might not quite know what they are, but they certainly weren't born as slaves. Not all of them, most of them. So then we go into the. We, this is now the reason why Deuteronomy is called Deuteronomy, because it's the second telling, or the second, yeah, the second law. It's the same as we'll read as the first one, but it's the second telling. And Moses is telling it to a largely different group of people. Margaret. Oh, no doubt. As a matter of fact, these guys, they've been running around for 40 years following a pillar of smoke in the day and a fire by night. And, you know, yeah, there's no doubt that they know. <laughs> it's not like they've never heard this. That's true. But I'm sure this is a somewhat solemn occasion anyway. Yep. Goes back, yeah. yeah. Does, do, would you like to read them? If I gave you a microphone. Okay. If Charlie gave you a microphone. Beg your pardon? Yeah. So read from verse 6 through verse 21. I am Yahweh, you Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim, out of the house of bondage. You have no other mighty ones against my face. You do not make for yourself carved image, any likeness of which is in the heavens above, or which is in the earth beneath, or which is in the waters under the earth. You do not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, Yahweh Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting crookedness of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing kindness to thousands to those who love me and guard my commandments. You do not bring the name of Yahweh your Elohim to naught, for Yahweh does not leave unpunished who brings his name to naught. Guard the Sabbath day to set it apart as Yahweh your Elohim commanded you. Six days you labor and shall do you all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yahweh your Elohim. You do not do any work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, so that your male servant and your female servant rest as you do. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Mitzrayim, and that Yahweh your Elohim brought you out from there by a strong hand and by an outstretched arm. 
I lost the thing here. <laughs> Therefore, Yahweh your Elohim commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 16. Respect your father and your mother as Yahweh your Elohim has commanded you so that your days are prolonged and so that it is well with you on the soil which Yahweh your Elohim has given you. You do not murder. You do not commit adultery. You do not steal. You do not bear false witness against your neighbor. You do not covet your neighbor's wife, nor do you desire your neighbor's house, his field, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, his ox, nor his donkey, or whatever belongs to your neighbor. Okay. So these are the statements. Okay. So I'd like to look at these for a few minutes. I mean, it's always useful to think about them. Um, first of all, there's, I've heard a couple of different renditions in terms of uh, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the way you count them. Um, to me, the first commandment is really, and I, yours said you do not. I, I, the shall not makes a little more sense to me because do not would imply that you will not. Well, I guess it's the same thing. Anyway, the first commandment for me, I think, is you shall not have other gods before me. Mm -hmm. A lot of people seem to think it's I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. But that's not a commandment, if you ask me. A commandment is telling you something to do. Uh, that first sentence is telling you who's saying this, right? But the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, I certainly have. Yes. Yes, it matters a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, well, we'll do that when we're done. Okay. Uh, this first commandment says, don't have another God, other God, only me. Mm -hmm. We make God's own when we give you preference on child. When we do what? Um, some children, you know. I have a four, and I say, this is the best, this is the wonderful, this is this, 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 this. We make a God with that. We, we got an idolatry with some things at home, like, what is your God? I have a, my God before. It's work, work, work for money. After I got the accident, and I come back, you know, he pulled me, and I come back with pain, with a lot of problems in my body. He made me, rem he remind me, it's only my my God, and he provide everything for me. Mm -hmm. But I need to believe it, and he provide for me. Mm -hmm. You know, when we feel envious for things another have, but everybody in my own thing is working for his desire. Mm -hmm. It's because you fasting, it's because you praying, it's because you helping, it's because you did. It's a miracle when you, you see all the things coming to you without working. Mm -hmm. We need a work. But we're in his work. Sharing with the other, says to mm -hmm. the other. But people work for money. Well, I understand what you're saying. There's a, um, you have to be careful to assess what is a God in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, because it can be working for things. 
And those things, those material possessions are, in essence, a God in your life because you're putting all your thoughts and efforts into that. So, yeah, you... I have experience point. with, a, with a, uh, a one, someone I know. It. He working very hard to fix his car, put the good rings, uh, good things, uh, music, everything in his car. And I tell him, are you working for the car only? Are you have a child? Need a food, need a shoes, need a everything, but you don't remember that because you working for your car only, for your uh, things only. Yeah. And you know, one day I tell him, oh, something happened to you and you miss everything, but something you need a saving and your children. Mm -hmm. But when you became older, because it's supposed to children take care of the parents when they be older, not put them in, in a nurse's home mm -hmm. and forget them there, you mm -hmm. know, because it's, I growing up in a country, we care or or people mm -hmm. with all theirs. My grandma passed pass away, and with my another grandchild take care of her, another child take care of her. But uh, after I tell him, after two months, uh, he have a car accident. The lie is for him, but someone throwing the red and he his car and mess it up the car. Mm -hmm. His car is his kill at the moment, you know. All the money, all he put in the car, is gone in a second. Yep. Okay. Well, it doesn't exactly say it's wrong that people have those things. It says don't covet the yeah, things that well, they it, have. It says don't let them be your God. Yeah, don't let them be, you know, yeah. overtake you. And, um, but, and Francis Schaeffer used to say that the crux of the whole of one of these whole things is that you shouldn't cover it, you know, because it's when you cover it that you do all the other things. But, um, but also, I like the way it says here, you shall not recognize the gods of others in my presence. That's a good way to put it. Because he's... Well, that's what I was going to say. That's what we're doing. What, well, not only that, but that's what um, he was so upset with the Israelites for. It was the fact that they would would worship him along with all these false gods, and and a lot of times they gave precedence to the false gods and not to him. That's why that's really what he's saying. There can be no other god above me or even beside me, and and he really that's one of the things that I always feel bad about the uh, how do I put this the the non-Hebrew festivals is that uh, God really doesn't like it when you worship other gods mm -hmm. beside him. That's beside or besides. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty clear to me. That's the first one. The second one is, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I... Your God am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving to a thousand generations of those who keep my command. Now, um, idol worship is all, again, one of the biggest problems they had was idol worship. That talks a little bit about what she was saying, and that sometimes that's what we do. You know, idol worship is uh, things that we value above God if you will. Um, what do you think about this 
I'm a jealous God. In other words, he wants us to worship him. Punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Does he hold children responsible for their father's sin? I think some of the things your parents do, you know, then you, they've reflected on into your life. But I think that, I, I, you know, he says in Ezekiel that he doesn't, that if your father sinned, you know, that you can still repent and you can still mm-hmm. yeah. be okay with him. I think what they're really getting at is it's not that he punishes. It's just that the consequences yeah. of sins of sin lasts farther than just one generation. We got a couple of questions over here. If you got to keep keep your eye on the people whose hands are up. Yeah, he went first, and then Mark. Oh, thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> Facebook thumbs up. Okay, fine. Brandon. Well, I usually try to go what it literally says. Uh-huh. That, that always bothered me because you know a child doesn't have a choice uh-huh. necessarily. But after a lot of consideration, I came to the conclusion that he says that because he's wise and he knows if the parents aren't following Torah, then how are the children going to learn? Yeah, yeah. So Another the children way to are going to um, naturally follow. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's uh, it's going to take a while before one of them opens their eyes in most yep. cases. Yep. That's what it really is. It's uh, if the sins of the parents lead to negative consequences which are going to be felt by the kids. And then the kids then have to live with those negative consequences and they have the step for them is that much bigger, is I think what you were kind of trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard of generational curses and um, I, I still have a question in my mind as to whether, well, I guess, you know, like you explained, you didn't have Torah. You're not going to be doing it, so you're going to be out there yeah, doing whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other side of the coin yeah. is is that God knows your situation, he, right, and, and he knows how you were brought up. Yeah, and in 10, he says, showing mercy to the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So that's a big pickup after. Yep, that's the, <laughs> that's the way out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brandon, did you have something else? Real quick. Um, I've dealt with people in recovery, and I had uh, problems when I was younger myself, and there's a lot of research showing that things like alcoholism is passed down through your children mm-hmm. through, through just like your eye color. Yeah. So he's just stating the facts. Yeah. Um, if you're not living Torah, you're going to pass things to your children, and it's going to keep going until somebody stops it, of course. Yeah. Well, and that's the curses. Yep, that's exactly right, and that's what he's talking about. I don't think he says, "Oh, look what you did." No, I'm cursing your child. Yeah, he doesn't have to. I think he's more telling you the way he created us and designed us. Yep, this is a result. Yep, I I think that's exactly right. I think that's an important thing because it gets over that little, perhaps, problem. Verse eleven. This is the third one. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh your God, for Yahweh will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, I, mine says misuses. What did yours say, Margaret? It was um, 
This is verse 11. <laughs> come to naught. Yeah, you're right. That's good. You said come to naught or bring to naught. Yeah. So in other words, bring it to nothing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So um, some people seem to think it's, well, the, the thing that was commonly taught to me when I was growing up was take his name in vain. I never did really understand that one either. Um, but the main thing is, to me, what it's, what it, it's pretty clear, misuse the name or make it uh, frivolous and not holy. Okay, we got a couple of things. Brandon's got one. Oh, John's got one. Sorry, John. So to me, to you, you have to ask yourself, what is your job? If we're a priest of the nations to the nations, and you bring his name, his his name, his authority that you operate under to nothing, then that's the great sin. You 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 you're. You are not able to authoritatively perform your function as a priest to the nations. Not good. Not good. Good point. You ruin your credibility. Uh, for me, take the name in vain is when people say, uh, uh, someone told a friend some sometime, God gave him a revelation to marry to her. He say, oh, the Lord told me. In another word, I don't want to say Yahuwah. That's just the name in vain because is he have a revelation, she need to have a revelation to mm-hmm. another people because in the Torah say you need a two witnesses. That's fair. For things. Yeah. This is just the name in vain. Long time ago, I have a dream. Something happened in New York and I see everything Clearly, clearly. Uh, I'm visiting a church, and I say, share with everybody my dream. At the moment, a uh, uh, 50 years old girl is standing, and I say, I dream in the same. You know? I feel so happy because he have a witnesses for mm-hmm. my dream. Mm-hmm. And I can use his name in vain. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's okay. what I'm feeling. Bobby, there. I was also under the impression that it's also to swear by his name mm-hmm. and then not hold up your vow or whatever else it is that you're swearing by mm-hmm. or lying after the fact. Mm-hmm. That's a, certainly the whole thing about vows is a big deal to God. We've learned about that in several different places. It's, well, and in the New Testament, Yeshua says it's better that you not vow at all than you vow to God and then, and then not follow through. So, yeah, that's certainly taking it in vain, misusing it is misusing it, and that's a good example. In the Strong's, it's, um, well, the word is shav, and it means emptiness and falsehood and vanity, and um, which is the shin and the aleph. So it's, it means crash, storm, or desolate. So it's basically bringing God's name to desolation. Okay. Okay. Brandon has one. I just went through this on Facebook, and my friend deleted me. Um, there, there was <laughs> You've been com- unfriended, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I 
talk a lot about Torah and stuff on my Facebook. And so them, a lot of my Facebook friends were spread all over, yeah. um, you know, the globe. So that's a good way I kept in touch when I was traveling. I used to exclusively worship there. I mean, I, had, I was always traveling. So one of my friends started using, this has come up a few times, actually. One person thanked me for pointing it out. This person deleted me. But every once in a while, somebody started using this um, expression, yasam. And so I private messaged him and, and, and explained to him that mm -hmm. his name is for holy purposes, for prayer, for worshiping him, et cetera. And to use it as an expression is to make it common. Mm -hmm. And if you make something common, it's not holy. Yeah. His name is holy and blocked. Yeah. But Kicked over a horn's nest. Yeah, and then a lot of people use the expression, oh, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, Yeshua, but yeah. a lot yeah, of Christians yeah, yeah. say, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand the commandments even when they read them. I agree. I agree. Margaret? As a sacred namer, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, uh, I didn't have many years in the Christian churches, so I, I didn't have to unlearn things. And when I did learn of uh, Yahweh's name, and I did learn it as Yahweh's, um, it, it made such sense that, you know, it's a personal name. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Lord and the translations that have been used are skirting the issue of giving that name glory mm -hmm. and honor mm -hmm. uh, the way it should be. And so, um, I hate to say it, but I cringe every time I hear the Lord when somebody knows the correct name. Yeah. That should be, especially if you're quoting scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was a big light bulb yeah. to me when yeah. I realized that every time the Lord appeared in all capital letters, yeah. that that literally was the translation of yod heh vav -Hey. Right. And it, it took me a long time to, well, as a matter of fact, the book of Exodus takes on an entirely different meaning when you realize that, you know, God's name is being used there. Yeah. And he's giving his name uh, to be set uh, in comparison to all the false gods of Egypt. Yeah. And somehow the Lord just doesn't quite work. So I know what you're saying. Yeah, and yeah. so um, I can see, I think as Torah observers, we have a huge responsibility. And I, it, does, it doesn't matter how you sound it out. Because there's, a there's a differences of opinion as to how to sound it out. You can say yod hey vav hey. You can mm -hmm. say Yahuwah. You can hey, say, uh, uh, I use Yahweh. Some people use Yahweh. There was initially yeah. when I first started studying back 20 years ago, the only Bibles that were around, I have the Trina Bible from back in 83, and that was one of the only Bibles that had Yahweh's name on it. Yeah. It makes such a difference when yeah. you when you're when you're reading something. Not only that, it it is it's like so generic to to use the Lord. Yeah. Even if you yeah. don't pronounce it, you recognize yeah. it as His name. Yeah. And it's special because right. it's His name. And if you, uh, uh, and I disagree with um, a lot of the Jewish sources that use Adonai because that's a mistranslation. Yep. And so it's, it's like you're lying to me. <laughs> uh, if, if you don't want to say it, just say yod hey vav hey, mm -hmm. which I think brings, a lot of them do. brings respect yeah. in that 
We don't really know. It's, I'll tell you what, yeah. we'll, we'll probably never find anything as uh, emotional and controversial as that subject, right? Wait, just a second. Bobby? On that same train of thought, then what do you use for um, capital L, lowercase o-r-d? Okay. That's like Lord of the Manor. Okay. But not... Mm -hmm. Well, Lord of my life, right. just for example. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Adonai is a Hebrew word, which means the Lord. It means Lord. Yeah. That's it, yeah, what one oh Brandon Brandon you say and then I want to I better have you on the microphone. Brandon? Yes. Um put your I'm microphone so we can hear you. Look something up real quick. Okay. Yes, I was trying to look something up real quick. Um the real quick, okay. But I'm not finding it. So but um there's been a lot of controversy on using Lord, God, any of those. Um I'm still studying it, but I have found some history where it was pagan. Okay. Especially God. That's, okay. Yeah. It could be. You know, actually, he has many names that he uses yep. for what he does. Yep. And a lot of times associated with what he's doing, you know, because, yep. you know. Oh, yeah, it's got to do with his character. Yeah. Yahuwah, That's the way Hebrew is. Yahweh um, Rapha and, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. You know, there's, there's things that what he does. So, I mean, he doesn't just have a singular name. Well, yod Vav, he does mean, I, I will be who I will be. I yeah. am who I am. Asher yeah, yeah. But it, but it, I'm just saying, he's the eternal one. It means he's always present. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Why don't you take that back to Mark? So there's always going to be a debate on whether we should say the name, what name should we use, all those things. It's interesting that we're talking about this tonight because our tour portion this week is the uh, uh, numbers six, the uh, ironic blessing. Ironic blessing, yeah. Which we'll use it three times, right? So that's our, our portion this week, and it says so that they shall invoke, in my NASB, but the Hebrew is put, set, place, my name. In an interesting thought to think about, in the New Testament, everywhere it says Jesus Lord, the word Lord is kurios, which is used for everywhere yod vav is used in the Tanakh. 
So were they calling him Lord as in Master, or were they calling him Yod Vave? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's just something to think about. Yeah. Well, I think we've done pretty good on that one. Um, <laughs> this this horse is gasping his last last breath. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> did you find something now? Okay, I found it. It's Strong's one one six seven. Lord. Ball owner. Lord. Ball B A A L. B A A L. Yeah. Okay, masculine. Owner. But then down below it says by marriage, who practice wrathful. Okay. So I think to... maybe uh, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily. And maybe people aren't reading thoroughly. But I, I'm going but to. I prefer not to use it now. That's fine. I'm going to stop. Because yeah, but we'll never get to the I'm Ten not saying it's wrong, though. No. I'm not right. saying it's wrong, though. All of you are appropriately interested in this. And you are all perfectly capable of doing your own research and coming to your own conclusions, and we can talk about it one-on-one. -on -one. Let's move on. Moving right along, as I like to say. So that's the third commandment. All right. The fourth one starts in verse 12. Mine says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as Yahweh your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat. To Yahweh your God, and on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant or maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that Yahweh your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Yahweh your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Number one, Notice that there's quite a bit of verbiage here. And number two, it's not too uh, difficult to understand. Regarding, regarding Sabbath, mm -hmm. or Shabbat, excuse me, Shabbat. I believe that Shabbat is on Saturday. Okay, but I get people asking me, how do you know that? And my response is well, it's been kept up with over time, and, and, and we just know. It's the but that's day. not very—that's not a very good answer for someone that's a non-believer. And I'd be more than happy to give the mic to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to have this question asked a lot from my family members that were debating with me on the Shabbat. How do you know it wasn't another day of the week? Well. When you do your research, you go back and you see the Gregorian calendar that we're keeping. They were keeping an, a seven-day uh, week. Well, the Gregorian was adopted from the Julian calendar, which was also keeping a seven-day week. Yep. The Julian calendar goes way back before Messiah. So we're talking about hundreds of years before Messiah came was the Julian calendar adopted from a seven-day week that was adopted from an existing seven-day schedule that everybody was keeping around Mesopotamia area. So the answer, long, the short version to this long answer is, is that 
it's always been a seven-day schedule. All that happened was they put different names to it, and a different group adopted this seven-day idea. So the seventh day has always been the seventh day, whether people have recognized it as a day of rest or not. It was the same seventh day that they were keeping, that the Jewish people were keeping, on a seven-day cycle. Yeah. The, the, uh, another way to put that is the Jews, if you will, had been keeping the seventh day as Shabbat from before anybody ever questioned changing it. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how people forget the, uh, the rest of it, that the six days you shall labor. You know, because, I mean, it says that we're supposed to work the rest of the right. days. That's true. Yeah. Well, it sets it apart. That's the whole idea of holy, right? Set it apart. Set it apart as the day you don't work. Yeah. Okay, I know, I know uh, when the Moses gave this command about the seventh day, is they need a guide by the star, by the sun, and by the moon. This is the Shabbat is, is with the movement, the, the astros is not the same day every time. That's what I'm learning. And I have a, a Jewish friend, and I ask him, is I'm right or, or I celebrate the right Shabbat? He told me, is the people changing with the time because they are, because this better. We need to follow what he say about the movement is go by the seasons. And the season is changed. Some people now I know they celebrating. Last month be Wednesday. Now this month is Thursday. Yeah, uh, the next win is Friday. Yeah. But uh, you know, I can go like that. No, that's uh, to me that I know what what you're talking about is some people have tied it to the new moon, and so somehow or another, uh, whenever you start a month, then you start counting again. And what that does for you is it makes the seventh day happen different days of the week each month yeah, or from month to month. And it's, it doesn't make any sense because so, it would get hopelessly so, complex. Someone made me a caption question. What Shabbat you celebrate? I say, I celebrate the Shabbat Yeshua do it. And she asked me, what did Yeshua do it? If somebody need something in Shabbat because he seeks and called you to go help him, I go. This is the Shabbat he did. Okay. If somebody need a food or something or need a clothing and you have it in your position to help him then, and okay. I go. Okay. That way he teach. Okay. Let's. Margaret was next, I think. Okay. Charlie's preempting you. Go ahead. Margaret. As far as the Sabbath. I think there was 40 years where they had the manna. Mm -hmm. And that blows every argument out of the water. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Because there is no discussion. Every yeah. seventh day, there was no manna. Yeah. They were to cease. And yeah. then on the Friday before. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good argument against uh, that. There would be no, there would be a double portion that they could yeah. pick up. and. Yeah, and it's the seven-day yeah. cycle. It's not tied to the moon. Right. This is where I was going. Okay. So the manna week can't fit into any lunar 
seven-day thing. There's 29 days in the lunar cycle. That does not divisible. There's by four seven. sevens. Is what? 28. Oops. Oops. What do we do with the other two days? Well, that means every every month it has to move, which is silly. I don't see that anywhere in the manna nope. schedule. Nope. It doesn't work. It doesn't, nope. as the robot in Lost in Space says, does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. Done. Back to, uh, I think, Marvin's question. I always like to say, your argument is with the Catholics, because they agree that the Sabbath is the seventh day, if you, if you listen to it, if they're yeah. honest about it. Yeah. They changed they it. If they didn't change it, then they didn't create a new religion. Yeah. Right. They, to create a new religion, they had to change that. Yes. So they will admit that. Yes. What they do is the Lord's Day or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, they're not saying, well, actually, the seventh day is Sunday. They're not saying that. They're saying, we changed it right. to Sunday, which is a whole different thing. And if you're following us, you're not following what the Scripture says. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's good. We got, I knew we'd have fun. You guys are sharp group. Okay, so that's the fourth commandment. Okay, Brandon. <laughs> we might get through ten. I'm not sure. They, they more than just changed it. They actually boasted publicly about it in newspapers and et cetera in pretty bold statements um, saying that it proves they have the authority. Yep over yep. Yahuwah. They changed the Sabbath to Sunday by the authority of the church. Is what it literally says. Yeah. I, I love the, the Spanish calendar because in the weeks it says Sabado. There's no discussion. What mm -hmm. does it say? Sabado. What does the Bible say? Sabado. Okay. Sabbath. Yep. <laughs> Good point. So um, the Sabbath day, you know, is for rest, but it's also for something else, um, for celebration. Mm -hmm. So it's a day of celebration as well. Just, okay. Yeah. It's not often emphasized, but the you're not supposed to make anybody else work, even your animals. Yep. On it, that day either. And it says that, yeah. But you're right, it's not often emphasized. You got something? You anything, Mark? <laughs> oh, I'm on here. I'm going to move on. He wants to move on, so. <laughs> I'm actually kind of embarrassed to say this, but really I need other opinions. Um, I just started a new job. And I found out I won't be getting paid for almost three weeks. I pay my rent weekly. Um, and I just bought another vehicle, etc. Um, it's strange because I prayed about it and said, I'm not going to worry. He'll provide. But then I get this text and somebody wants me to work for $200 on Saturday. <laughs> yep. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, the the two part commandment I think is really. I had a, I had kind of a bad attitude toward going to work and when I was working in. Uh, 
one day I just read that and it says six days you shall work. And it's like, okay. It, it kind of just kind of hit me that you're supposed to be joyful. It's kind of like you're doing work for Yahweh. Mm -hmm. This is what he told you to do. Go to work and uh, for six days. And then on the Sabbath day too, there's also, um, like uh, Lucia was saying, to do good. I mean, there's things that some people will say, no, you can't do that. You know, I'm not going to work. Uh, but there's necessary things that have to be done. The baby's diaper needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. the, the sick have to be taken care of, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. And if I, there's, there's something that, uh, and I think uh, Yeshua said, you know, if, if, the, if the animal falls in the ditch, you go after it. I, I don't yeah. think he ever intends us to be stupid about yeah. it. I yeah. Bobby's got something. Just splitting hairs with this um not being or not making other people work. Okay. Then I have to ask, okay, is it okay or not if Charlie uses the bus because they're working mm -hmm. <laughs> to yeah. come in on Shabbat, you know? I, again, I think bottom line on I this. I mean, they're stuff. already doing it, but yeah. if everybody would follow the Shabbat, then they wouldn't be doing right. it type thing. Um, it's, it's always up to you and your, your own right. conscience and your own relationship with God. I think if you uh, are honest with him and you explain to him your desire to honor the Shabbat, the Shabbat right. and to be obedient, he'll help you both by guiding you in your decisions and also by working in circumstances so that he can show himself uh, as sovereign. So, I, you know, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule for every specific circumstance. I think, like I say, I think you have to pray about it. You have to be honest about it. You have to tell him, you know, I want to honor your Shabbat. Can you help me? Yes. Yeah. So, it, so I, I think... You fall into trouble whenever you try to, certainly whenever you try to make every, every rule, you know, have no exceptions. And certainly when you try to tell everybody else how they ought to have no exceptions. So, Carly? Yes, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been over there by their place. I've been really helpful because uh, I've been taking, doing work over there with them, doing uh taking out their garbage, and plus doing that other stuff, and you doing the yard, and that's all I like about it, because I've been praying for them to both of them get work, I've been praying to Yah about it, and I'm going to, I'm keep doing it, because I, I know Yah want, Yah is going to give them a job, I know they are, because that's what, that, that's what I'm praying for. That's good, Charlie, that's good. I'm trying. Okay, sorry. That's I need okay. to say something about this working on Shabbats. Okay. It's, you have to, I mean, it's like, Bobby's not in here to hear this, but it's like Esther said, it's just like if you're driving a car, you're going to take the bus to Shabbat to worship Yah and to learn. And I don't, you know, I still, I ask for forgiveness about it, you know. Mm -hmm. I still repent about it when I have to do it. But I know I'm going and using the bus for good. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to work. I'm yeah. going to Shabbat, yeah. you know? I No, like I say, I'm not going to, certainly not going to get us 
black or white answer for me on that. Where are you, where are you going next, Jerry, on the next one? Or? Well, I'll, I'll let Randon and Margaret, and then we'll, this horse is dying a slow death as well. <laughs> um, the scripture that the ox falls in the ditch falls in place with me. Um, everything in me wants to keep Shabbat. I always want to keep Shabbat. Yep. I love the Shabbat. Yep. But nobody's just going to hand me money and say, here, for the week, Actually, two weeks almost. Um, well, if they did, so, boy, you'd know who to give the credit to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and if that happens before the time comes, then, of course, I would accept it, and I'd have to. Yeah. I, I think attitude I'd is. I still would have to go if I told the man I was going. Yeah, I think. So th th it's a bad situation. Yeah. But um, and, and taking the bus, I've done that, too. Before I had a car, I had to take the bus to Shabbat, et cetera. But what was in my mind the whole time was that we're supposed to be a community that helps each other. Yeah. Somebody should give a ride. Mm -hmm. And if you ever need a ride to Shabbat, if I can, I will. Okay. I think we're hogging the whole time here, but um, numbers uh, uh, 28, 25, verse 25, and on the seventh day you shall have a, a holy convocation. That's a mikra, um, yep. convocation, convoking, yep. reading, a calling together, yep. convoking. I've kind of struggled with that one sometimes, and I feel kind of guilty if I don't attend somewhere. And, I'm, and, and for many years, I've just kind of kept it to myself or, you know, did scripture readings and things like that where uh, you're uh, just trying to, you know, get in with Yahweh's word and, um, because you weren't able to meet with somebody. But I think uh, it, it's important to meet with others, too. So it's certainly, yeah. yeah, it's certainly what he intends. Right. Yeah. And but like I say, I don't think God's not sitting there watching and waiting for you to step out, outside the line right. and whack you. Yeah. You know, and it's then, more questions of your attitude and of your heart than anything else. And then there's that scripture in the, in the New Testament that says, not forsaking the assembling of it. Yeah. Of Jethers. And, and it's also one of the feast days. It's yeah, an important, yeah, it's, the, it's a it's feast day. It's listed. supposed to be joyous. I thought you were done with it. Well, I know. I said I thought you were done with it. Sorry, we're going to okay. stay in this verse forever. No, we're not. <laughs> no, I, there's something I forgot. Just something I forgot well, to add really quick. Okay. Um, just to Randon and to whoever else. Um, I had this problem at first, you know, as far as working. On Shabbat, and once you make that choice and that decision, that it's Yahweh's Shabbat, you're going to honor His His will and His Shabbats. And even if it's hard and the road gets narrower for a little while, He's going to come in that the eleventh hour. He's going to come through. But what you so, should say is that's, that's what's happened with you. It has happened with me many times. That's fine. Let's go on. Uh, Okay, thank you. The fifth commandment is verse 16. 16. Honor your father and your mother as yes. Yahweh your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that Yahweh is, your God is giving you. Now, um, fifth commandment. This one, let's see. Someone told me one time that the commandments fall nicely into two groups. Uh -huh. The first five have to do with your relationship with God, 
And the second five have to do with your relationship with your fellow man. And they kind of do. This one's a little strange, however, right. because this falls into the with your relationship with God thing. But it really is got to do with that because it says, honor your father, your mother, as Yahweh your God has commanded you so that you may live long. Uh, it's honoring your father and your mother is, let's see, it's difficult to imagine how you could be honoring God without honoring your father and your mother. I'll just put it that way. It's a good way to model that. So we probably won't have near as much discussion on that one. Any thoughts, comments? The rest of them are, you have a comment. Now that surprises me. Lisa has something she'd like to say. <laughs> well, I think in the case where your parent isn't exactly, you know, it's, you still honor them because you kind of fear them even even if they're abusive, you know, you're kind of afraid of them. But, um, but the thing is, is that um, God steps in. You know, he actually steps in, mm -hmm. and he takes care of When When you are doing things, that, he does. When you're doing what, you know. Yeah. And uh, honoring, um, honoring is just what it says. It doesn't mean that you have to like everything. Well, it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to be right. utterly 120% obedient, but it does no. mean you have to honor. Right. You have to give them the credit, the position that's due them by virtue of their status as your parents and their age. Well, and technically, they gave you your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think about. Yep. Oh, I, well, but, well, I always it's I always live in fear of the fact that nobody's ever going to say anything. <laughs> um, I have an opinion I want to share on this. Um, I don't know why I'm talking so much today, though. But anyways, I do have an opinion on this. Um, I think it's in context of parents that are under Yahuwah. Um, I was raised and told to do lots of things that I might have got away with when I was a kid, but when I got older got me in trouble. Yeah. And that's what I was told to do. Um, it got to a point where either I was going to keep destroying my life, honoring what I was taught and told, or stop doing it. And when I came to Torah, then I definitely knew I had to stop doing it. So I think it's in context of, of believers. I agree. It, well, not it, only that, but it's I mean, if like your I parents say, tell you to go sell drugs or something, I don't yeah. think you should honor them. No, I don't either. But that's why I say it's not, it's not being 100% obedient, but it is honoring. So, but we can find all kinds of hard issues on that. Let's move on. Um, that's the fifth commandment. The sixth one is, I like these next few because they're so long, right? The sixth one is, you shall not murder. Notice how it doesn't say, you shall not kill. It says, you shall not murder. The difference being murder implies malice of forethought. It implies hatred. Who does? King, well, I don't doubt that. That's why, that's why uh, that's often quoted that way, is because King James did that. By the way, you know an interesting fact about that? Just I get to do this, too. You know, the book of James in the Bible is written by 
Yeshua's brother, whose name was Jacob, Yaakov. Do you know why it's called James in the Bible? In honor of King James. They renamed the apostle, you know, posthumously, 2,000 years later, not quite that, 1,600 years later, because they wanted to honor King James of England. I just love that story. Um, that's the sixth one. The seventh one, you shall not commit adultery. That's pretty plain. Right? Um, the eighth one, you shall not steal. Yes. I noticed in running through this this time that um, in verse 18 and 21, it mentions the adultery thing. Mm-hmm which I think is interesting because that seems to be an extreme wit, um, weakness with us. Yes. So needed to point. be mentioned twice. Yeah, that's a good point. Adultery seems to be an issue without a doubt. I just, oh, go ahead, Bobby. That being said, also in 21, it's, uh, it starts in with the coveting, and wouldn't that be, again, like having other gods? You bet. You bet. That's and a good point. Don't be mm -hmm. committing adultery with other gods. Yep. That's a very good point. We've often talked about, um, yeah, about that. Don't mind it, Jerry. Don't bother me. Gives me exercise. I know. You need it. <laughs> Another way to commit adultery is when the people make a command with God when they marry it. When they what? When they marry it. And later they be divorced and take another woman, and they forget the promise to make the God. This is adultery, because they left the woman and take another one. Well, that's certainly the Catholic viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, uh, it's no matter what religion people marry, because they do it on their God. Well, there is know? no doubt that the, commit, the commitment they make when they give the oath to one another does not include the possibility of getting out of it. That's true. I want to talk about stealing. Where it says, you shall not steal. What's an implication of you shall not steal? Private property. So the Bible definitely allows the ability to have private property. Uh-oh, somebody uh, stole the mic. Yeah, uh, this one comes up with me all the time at work. Um, I make enemies at work because I won't cheat hours. And when I tell them that's stealing, they don't like me for saying that. <laughs> that's a good point, but you're certainly, you're certainly on strong ground, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. We're almost done, but it's a shame not to go ahead and finish. That was... Uh, Let's see, the ninth one is verse 20. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Most people call that lying. Right. But false testimony against your neighbor is a little bit bigger deal than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not that, not that lying is a good thing. I'm not saying that. Right. But uh, specifically, this is, uh, is intended to harm somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. So if that's the ninth one then, for you who were counting to ten, Lisa, the tenth one is verse 21. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desire in your neighbor's mm -hmm. house right. or his land, his manservant, or maidservant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And covet was a thing I had to struggle with in my early childhood because I didn't mm -hmm. know what the word meant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but once I kind of understood what the word meant, I was able to realize that uh, it's at the, the bottom of a lot of uh, sin, mm -hmm. right? It's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, boy, I thought we'd be farther than this. The time's about up, and we've made it through the Ten Commandments. It's the second time through for us, probably the nth time through for us. Um, oh, Margaret's got something. And then I'm interested in anything you might have you want to talk about. On the coveting about. subject, um, you know, if you, if you look at something and you say, oh, yeah, I really like that, and you're able to, to get it, you're, you're, you know, you have the means to get it, that's not really coveting. It's just like, no, oh, yeah. No, that's, that's a decision yeah. you made, yeah. Uh, it's coveting is when you're not able to get it. Yes. And then you go well, into and the, devious the, means, I guess, to... Well, and the desire yeah. to have it is yeah. pretty much overwhelming. Because yeah. I can identify with that one. Again, when I was a young, yeah. a young kid, I had, I had that. You know, yeah. there were things I just really, really wanted. Well, yeah. I know I want I want one of those recliners that lifts you up yeah. and that moves and that does the massage. It's like, <laughs> and really I can afford it, but I just haven't done the shopping. But it's just like, you know, it's like, am I? I'm not coveting. I can really, you yeah. know, I need it. Yeah, I yeah, might yeah. even be in the need for it. So. Um, I believe coveting is when you desire what belongs to somebody else. Ah. Not, not one like they have, but theirs. I want yours. Yeah, yeah, theirs. And I think it's tied into jealousy and envy and not wanting them to have it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. I heard somebody mention one time, he said, oh, I like your house. I, you know, I wish I had your house and you had a better one. Well, oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yep. <laughs> Two more here coming up. Um, I'm looking at to bear what false witness, uh -huh. and the word false in Strong's is the same as it is uh, with when I read you about um, using Yahweh's name in vain. So it's the same Strong's number, H7723, and it's Shav, and it's also to crash, storm, and bring desolation. So to bear fault with false witness is to bring them to desolation. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I wanted to mention is um, also when we talked about I am a, a jealous, yeah, jealous in, um, in the Strong's is zealous. So when you look it up in Hebrew, it's really not the word jealous. So I think that's an incorrect mm -hmm. interpretation because jealous signifies sin, you know. Mm. No, I don't think so. But it says zealous. Yeah. It says zealous. Because when I looked up the definition of, ze of jealous, none of it was good. Well, most people may think that, but I don't think the word jealous necessarily means sin or anything to sin. So the word jealous is kana, and um, it's to it means to acquire, um, nest, or zealous. It's the picture, pictograph of the kaf, uh, uh, which is the sun at the horizon setting. And the, the noon, which is the seed. So it, if you combine them, it means a picture of the seed gathering, um, 
the horizon gathering of the light, gathering the seed. So it's, I feel like it's Yeshua gathering his seed. And uh, so he wants to be zealous and have his like a mother hen kind of thing. Okay. It's kind of what I'm picturing. So that's what I'm, I'm picking up on, on jealous. But when I look up the word jealous, it, it doesn't. In Webster, it's suspicious, apprehend, rivalship, uneasy, fear. That, that's what that, it means. That's, that's fine, but that's what that is. That's the way people use it. Right. But, but are you saying that, that the word jealous is the right word? No, not necessarily. All I'm saying is that I don't think jealous is always a negative connotation. Okay. I mean, I think in past history, it probably didn't mean that at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll bet not. <laughs> I just have this to say. I think that we covet when we're not thankful. That's a fair point. Because sometimes I just feel thankful for no good reason. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think that we're supposed to feel thankful. I think so. I think it says in everything give thanks. Yeah, and I think thankfulness is part of contentment. Yes, and contentment yes. comes from being happy with what you have. And if right. you're happy with what you have, you don't covet. And you can't do anything about what you don't have. Well, you could. But well, I mean, you, don't you could. Want to do it. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, you <laughs> yeah. know, you might not be able to. You know, the thing is is that we're supposed to be thankful. Like I've been shredding a bunch of papers that I kept forever, and, and I've just gotten thankful, thinking I'm getting rid of my past stuff, you know? Okay. We've gone a little over, but yes. we've had a fair discussion. I thought it's been a pretty good discussion. Next week, we'll get to the really fun stuff, if you ask me. So, you guys... Thanks for the good discussion. I hope you have a good week. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your Torah. Thank you for the second telling of your law. Thank you for how much it makes us think. Thank you for the, the ability that it has to work in our hearts, to help us, uh, help us know how much you love us. Help us to, uh, it helps us to understand how important it is that we be obedient, that we understand what obedience really looks like. We thank you so much for your forgiveness. It's a pretty tall order, Father God. But I just ask that you'd help us to think on these things as we go through the week. Um, keep us soft-hearted and with open ears that we might hear your leading. And keep us safe until we meet next week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Good night, everybody.